Hello and welcome to the Film Pulse Podcast. This is episode number 354. My name is Adam Patterson. With me today, we got Kevin Rakestraw. Hey, Kevin. Hey. How's it going? Uh, you know, it's all right. Cool. Yeah. How's it going over yeah. there? Yeah, it's going pretty good. This week on the show, we'll be reviewing Aunt Timpson's Come to Daddy. We'll also be going over some of what we're watching on the watch list and new releases in theaters, VOD, and Blu-ray. Thank you so much for joining us this week. Please remember to review us on iTunes if you get a moment. That'd be super helpful. And to all our YouTube viewers, welcome. We have had a little bit of an influx in YouTube views recently. I had never quite understood the the concept of listening to a podcast on YouTube, but hey, you know what? Whatever works. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Housekeeping bits. Uh, there might be a new Ryan watches a movie, although I'm not. I'm not sure. I really don't know. Supposedly, well, yeah. supposedly we're going to be recording tomorrow. Monday, but I'm just not sure if we can, if we can do, if we can record tomorrow and and get it in the can, then I can get it up on Thursday. And hopefully we can also record on Thursday to get the following week's show ready to go. But (laughs) I don't know. Our February Blu-ray contest is live now. I will put a link in the show notes. We're going to be giving away a copy of Roma on Blu-ray. This is the Criterion Collection. Mm-hmm. So, oh, yeah. yeah. So you can you can go to the site. There's a link on the sidebar right on the homepage on filmpulse.net that has the the link to put in your entry or whatever. And it'll be, again, in the show notes here. Also, if you subscribe to our newsletter... There will be a link in the newsletter as well. Brought that back. I was slacking on the newsletter for a few months there, but I brought that back for January. I'm going to try to, I'm going to try to get back into the monthly newsletter thing. Good luck. (laughs) Yeah. uh, It always happens. I always end up biting off more than I can chew. I'm also working on a new video series right now too, which is why when we get into the watch list, I don't have much going on there because I was working on this. A video series for the for the site which i'm pretty excited about but not ready to talk about it just yet all right i think we can uh get into our review here we're talking about come to daddy this is coming out in theaters and vod this friday it's directed by aunt timpson and stars elijah wood steve mccaddy uh michael smiley's in there i have a synopsis here A man in his 30s travels to a remote cabin to reconnect with his estranged father. Now, I have a review that's going to be... I reviewed this out of, I think, Tribeca last year. And I'll have the review reposted on the site as you're listening to this. So we'll start with you, Kevin. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. What did you think of Come to Daddy? Well, again, this feels like another movie that there's not a whole lot to talk about. I did, for the most part, enjoy it. I I like the... uh, the the twist, the old twisty. I thought that that was a good idea. I liked the way that it was executed, but it it felt like everything after the twist, after you know the the circumstances changed and everything became you know far more clear. It just it kind of just ended abruptly to me. Like it didn't feel like there was. It just didn't feel like there was that much to it after yeah. that. Like it just kind of deflated after the the twist. Mm-hmm. Yeah, completely agree. I feel like it did lose a little bit of momentum after the big the big reveal. I I think f- just because this is a this hasn't come out yet, we should be very careful about what we what we reveal 
regarding the plot because I think that this is a movie that benefits a lot from where it goes because at the beginning, I mean, from from the synopsis, all you know is Elijah Wood is this dude who goes to reconnect with his dad. You have no idea. You have no idea where it's going to go and what turns it's going to take. And I think that it does take some pretty uh, unexpected turns as it as it progresses. But I completely agree with you. I think that it does lose steam later on in the movie. Now, that isn't to say there aren't still a few shocking and entertaining moments, but I think that the buildup to the reveal uh, was far more intriguing than what happens afterwards. Yeah, because they do have a really good, like the relationship that they kind of build between Elijah Wood and Stephen McCaddy, that that whole buildup thing and then their interactions with each other. I, I found that very compelling. And it, like, I really didn't know where the hell this was going to go. And it was just, you know, there's a good amount of tension there. And then, okay, yes, twist. And you're like, oh, okay, I got you. And then just, just to me, there just wasn't a whole lot after that, you know, and it just kind of felt like the movie was over at that point. I think the good thing with that is that they did spend a lot of time sort of building up that intrigue. Like, what's going on here? Everything seems, because from the beginning, everything seems off. Like, everything just seems slightly skewed. And I, yeah, that was one of the things that I kind of appreciated the most about it, that you never felt like, a hundred percent comfortable in what was happening. No, absolutely not. There's always this sort of underlying bit of odd behavior happening. And and I think that goes for like, I, I, I thought Elijah Wood's character was just so ridiculous in this. I mean, everything from all his outfits were mm-hmm. completely out of control. It reminded me of um, the dude in um, Schitt's Creek. Can't remember his name. David it reminded me of David in Schitt's Creek, Eugene Levy's, son and the, the outfits that he would wear and just how ridiculous he would act and his ridiculous mustache and that like bowl cut that he has i think yeah what i what what is that what is that i don't i think that's a haircut i've never seen <laughs> does it have a name I don't, what's the name for that haircut i, I don't know it's like it it really is kind of a bowl cut it is a bowl cut yeah but it's very short mm-hmm. which is weirder somehow believe it or not why, believe it or not why would you do why wouldn't you just have it the same length the whole way down i have seen people with that haircut walking down the street so it well, is it is yeah, a real thing new york it's a real thing <laughs> new york it is i i loved he he was just so ridiculous he played such a ridiculous character do i dj yes do i drop blazing beats <laughs> yes Does he though? We don't we, know. We don't. Probably not. We have no idea. I'm gonna guess no. I, I'm, I'm gonna guess a hard no. Well, the funny thing is, Nor- the funny thing is that Elijah Wood is actually a DJ in real life. I know. <laughs> yeah, and if it's anything like Elijah Wood, like is he a DJ though? No, he's not. Right? Doesn't he just like he uses an iPod? I I don't know. I thought I remember that being a thing. Like it was it was a joke. But I did appreciate that being in the movie. I, I don't know. I, I know is I feel like he's just Elijah Wood in this movie, <laughs> but his name is Norval. <laughs> yeah, I did like that his name was Norval. I, I like what Elijah Wood's doing now. He seems to be picking projects that are 
that that truly interest him like him his character in um what's what was the one the netflix one the Macon blair one i had the oh, long yeah, title the, something about yes i can't remember the name i don't feel safe in the world i don't want to live in this world anymore or something like that some, some shit like that his character in that was really great too i did love his supposedly gold iphone that was it like Lord gave him or something? Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and I love the whole Elton John scene too. When he talks, when he's trying to tell his dad that he knows Elton John and that Elton John is his father figure. And that, that when, when he challenged him and just how that whole scene progressed, because that's when, you know, like something's not right here. There's like this, this yeah. there's something really off about his dad. And then of course, the scene when his dad completely loses it on him and calls him a rat fucker and tells him that he I did I did I did appreciate the commitment to the rat fucker bit. stuff like he like he wouldn't like go he didn't move on to another he didn't move on to anything nah, he else just expanded. Like he stuck he, with that and he built a lot of detail into you know finding a rat carcass in his pelvic bone he stuff rats up your vagina <laughs> uh there was a lot of odd humor in this too. I thought a lot of it was pretty funny. Yeah, but I I did feel like when it didn't when it didn't work, it really didn't work, which I think is always the the risk that you take with that type of humor. Like when it hits, it hits, but man, when it falls, yeah, like the uh, it really falls flat. Like <clears throat> the scene when he gets attacked by that one person, and like the whole where like the toilet paper is like stuck on him, yeah. like that. To me, yeah. that just fell really flat. Like I, yeah, because <laughs> that was, that felt like something from like the early. Yeah, 90s. it was just it was so dumb, and that that didn't work at all. But then there were like some just odd little bits, like the like the cop telling him that he can burp on command. <laughs> like that was that was kind of stupid, but that was something that worked for me. Just the cop trying to make him feel better about this situation and by telling him that he can burp on command and then he does it. Yeah. I, yeah. Yeah. You know, I don't have much else. Like I liked, I liked the twist. I was like, wow, I like that. That's a good idea. That was it. Well executed. And then again, everything after I was just kind of like, all right, I gotcha. You do get to see Elijah Wood gets kind of get skewered through the mouth in one scene yeah. and he leaves it he leaves it in his mouth for like way longer than he probably should yeah and then what happens after that was really uh when i saw that it made my skin crawl yeah well and also it just it shows you that norval's really not smart at all because he just he wasn't he wasn't involved with that he could have just left but he's just like yeah i'm gonna make myself make myself the uh the the main suspect Mm -hmm. dummy fucking idiot well it's clear from the very beginning that he's not necessarily the the, the smartest person i really like there, no. there was just this one scene at the very beginning when he's wearing that real ridiculous like puritan hat thing that he has and he's walking down the beach and the hat the hat blows off his head and he just stops and he just turns and looks and he there's just like he just stands there for like a beat and then just like trying to figure out like should i go get it or should i just leave 
Yeah, what is it? it's like a it's like a shaker hat. It's like an Amish hat. I've seen I've oh. seen people wear those things too. It's what fashion the fuck is, is going fashion on is where you live. Fashion's out of control. I think all of those fashion choices that he that he wears in this movie are already over. Like I, the movie's just coming out, but I'm pretty <laughs> sure coming yeah, I'm pretty sure they're already over. I haven't seen people wear that those kinds of outfits for a while. I don't really have anything else to to add either without getting into like spoilers, but even even yeah. even the spoiler uh talk I think would be pretty limited to just discussing what happened. So I, I don't think it's necessary that we that yeah. we really dive the into only, any spoilers. The only, yeah. The only thing that I did that I enjoyed with this the, the twist is that yes, things kind of ratchet up, but it also keeps this like even keel like this just very like matter of fact between all the characters where it's just kind of like okay yes the circumstances have changed but it's not that big of a deal yeah and i did find that kind of humorous this is aunt timpson's directorial debut now then the name may sound familiar because he's a pretty big producer so he produced uh turbo kid he did ABCs of Death 1 and 2. He did Housebound, Deathgasm, The Greasy Strangler, Field Guide to Evil. So he did a lot of pretty high-profile uh, horror movies in recent years. And this this is his first uh, feature. This is his feature debut. I, I'll be anxious to see more of, of him because I, I think at the end of the day, I think that this was a pretty unique movie. And I, I, liked, I liked where it went. So... Yeah, and I mean, for what it is, it's it's good. It's good for exactly what it is. It's an entertaining, you know, little little movie with a with a nice twist in there. It's just the biggest thing for me is just after that twist, the the kind of like the action sequences that happen there just felt a little. They weren't that memorable. Mm-hmm. I just thought that it, that would be that those would stick a little bit more. All right, that's Come to Daddy. And again, that's going to be in limited release and VOD on Friday. So check that out. Let's go ahead and give it a score. I believe in my original review, I gave it a 7 out of 10. Now, that was in a festival setting. So there was a bit of a festival bump there. That did get a festival bump. After seeing it again and being able to process it some more, I would probably give it, I'd probably knock like half a point off i'd probably give it somewhere like a six or six and a half at this point but okay i'm not changing my score on the review so i think i'm right there with you six six and a half good performances too by the way i, I we talked about elijah wood but we didn't really get into Stephen mccaddy's character and he he, he plays yeah. a real nut in this he always kind of plays a nut but he did a really great job in this playing this real creep yeah he's, he's really good at playing that unsettling guy that just like kind of switches mm-hmm. enjoy yeah. it and then of course michael smiley is always he always plays a creep too he, he he does a good job of playing the creep now he doesn't always play a creep but when he does he does a good job with it and uh there's a little little role for um madeline sami in there too from the breaker uppers mm-hmm. get to see her in there she she didn't have much to work with but she had a few a few funny one-liners in there yeah i could use more of her I'm wondering if this was shot in New Zealand. I'm pretty sure it was, if I remember the, the opening I, credits correctly. I know that it was a New Zealand production, but it says 
country Ireland, Canada, New Zealand, US. <laughs> Wait a minute. A little bit everywhere. Okay. Let me let me hold on. Filming locations: Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. Okay, so it was shot mm -hmm. in Canada. Okay. Yeah, looks like it was shot in BC. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. Actually, have beaches like that. Yeah, I was surprised. It, it's a really cool location. the The house is a really cool. Mm -hmm. It's like sort of cliffside beach house. Really cool. Could have used some stairs though. I think. I think they didn't really think that. Through. <laughs> I know. There had to be another entrance I, to that I, place. Right? I know. I thought that several times. I'm like, wait, you have to climb over all those rocks to get, get to the house? <laughs> you have to like climb up. Clearly, there's got to be another. From the <laughs> there side. has to be a better way. Uh, all right. That's come to daddy. Okay. Let's talk about some of what we've been watching. Kevin, I think we'll start it with you this week. What do you got? What do you got, okay. what do you got going on? I, uh, I saw the Dead Don't Die, the Jarmusch. Oh, okay. So I, I saw that yeah. guy. Uh, I kind of forgot about this movie. And then I was like, okay, yeah, I'm going to watch the Dead Don't Die. This should be a fun time. And for the most part, it was. I didn't hate it. There is a decent amount of stuff in this movie that I actually enjoyed and I found funny. But also, at the exact same time, it felt like a huge waste of time. Mm -hmm. Like, there was no point to this whatsoever. And, like... We just really didn't do anything. I feel like it was just a big wasted opportunity. Yeah. I mean, I loved like them, like coming to terms with it might actually be zombies. I did like that. And then it became fully on zombies and everything from that point on was just kind of dumb and pointless. And it's just nothing really much to say. And I, I don't, I, Again, it just felt like this is like this was made just for him. Like he really enjoyed himself making this, and I'm sure he probably enjoys watching it. But it it feels like that's who it's for. It's for Jarmusch, not for anyone else. It could be great cast in it, and there there were some. I thought that there were some pretty funny bits, but I do. Yeah, I love one. You know, Bill Murray's like, "What do you think it is?" He's like, "Ghouls." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they like, I, that, yeah that was one of my favorite things now they they immediately they see the crime scene they see what happened to these people and they immediately they immediately go to zombies with it well first it was it was wild oh, yeah, animals, yeah. or several wild animals the, everyone can yeah. say <laughs> that's right yeah i thought it was just i guess the jarmuse just wanted to take the piss out of zombie tropes and make a fun little movie about it with a ton of people and I just, I feel like the script wasn't quite there as far as. No, no. Cause I mean, it's, it's, it's humorous in a couple of parts here and there. I thought, you know, I like Adam Driver's character in this and I did love some of the meta stuff, but eh, eh, whatever. Like, I'm not going to remember any of this. Yeah. I already forgot large portions of it. I remember I wasn't a big fan of the, like how it ended, like when it, yeah, the end is really, really fucking. But like, I pretty much clocked. Yeah, out. when it when it just goes completely towards off the, the rails end. towards the end. Yeah, just like no, okay, I'm done. All right, that's the dead don't die. I saw the newest Into the Dark entry, which is for Valentine's Day. It's called My Valentine. <laughs> they just keep making these things. Well, yeah, they're in, they're they're in the middle of the second season now, so they're gonna keep. 
it's only its second season. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There was no break wow. though, so like they just kept going. So they did tw- uh, okay. So they did they they do one a month and so they did 12 of them and then they just started up the the next one right away the next month I be- I believe. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Yep. Uh so anyway, this one is it's going to be available on Hulu the 7th. And uh, it's called My Valentine's, directed by Maggie Levin. This might be one of the, I don't know if it's the worst one, but I really did not enjoy myself with this one. But the, the premise is this, a pop singer who her ex-boyfriend ended up stealing not only her songs, but her mm. actual look too. So like he was, a, he was like this uh, really abusive boyfriend slash manager and right when she was like starting to to blow up and and get some notoriety uh she ended up leaving him because of how horrible he was and he like immediately found another quote-unquote girlfriend and sort of groomed her and molded her into the uh other woman's image and she became like really famous and really big and finally after a period of time um the original woman was like all right you know what i'm not gonna keep being angry over this i'm just gonna get back on the horse and i'm gonna start making music again and i'm gonna get get back out there and so she did and during one of her shows uh the boyfriend and the new the new girlfriend end up going into the club and sort of kicking everybody out of the club and holding them hostage sort of it's not there's like really nothing to say about it it's it's just i did not enjoy it at all the the way that it was edited and stuff there was like this like these split screens that were being used it almost reminded me like a scott pilgrim type thing but it's just not good um yeah i can't recommend my valentine Hmm. Uh, I watched uh, this little documentary called The Buffalo Hunt. This is from 2019. Uh, I I have no idea how I came across this movie or heard about this movie. It's on Amazon Prime. You can watch it for free, which is how I did it. But then when I got on Letterboxd to look it up, because I was like, oh, I wonder why this is in my watch list. At the time, only four people have logged this on Letterboxd. So I don't know where I heard of this movie. but ended up watching it. It's a pretty much the the exact kind of documentary that I like, where it's just this kind of slice of life type deal where they don't, there's really no uh, involvement from the documentary side of things. It's just a camera on people doing things. So what, what it is, is they're out in the Pine Ridge Indian Reservation in South Dakota, and they kind of tag along for this sacred buffalo hunt. And it's just with all these men of this tribe and, you know, they kind of talk about like what the, the different steps of the Buffalo hunt, the things that they have to do, you know, the rituals, everything, uh, after they kill the Buffalo, what they have to do. And they, you know, they go, they go through everything. It shows you everything that they do. And it's pretty much just that. And then another portion of it is all the Buffalo meat. They essentially cook this giant soup for everyone on the reservation and everyone comes 
to have some soup. So it's this whole big project that they have to go through. And it's really good doc. There's only two issues with this thing is during one sequence, they're, they're singing like this traditional uh, Lakota song before they go out for the buffalo hunt. And for whatever reason, the the director decides to play that like really shitty, somber, like piano tinkling type stuff that seems to be in pretty much every movie nowadays, where it's really, really sparse. You know, you, you'll hear like one piano key and then five seconds later, maybe they hit two piano mm-hmm. keys. And then maybe they hit another one. And then maybe another one. But it's, you know, and it's like during a traditional, like this very powerful moving Lakota song that they're doing, that they have to do before they go on the buffalo hunt. And you're putting this like on top of it when you don't fucking need to. Like, just let it be. I don't know why you thought that, that was a good idea. And then also during this is where the, the biggest issue with this movie comes up is the, the editing. For some reason, they do these very rapid like cuts. Like, you know, they're all standing in a circle and they're singing the song. And then it'll just flash to something else real quick. Just real quick. You know, a guy's like putting something in the back, the trunk of his car. And then it comes back to, you know, them standing in the circle. And it's like, okay, that's that's weird, but whatever. But then they do it like 12 times in a row. And it just keeps quick cut, quick cut. And I don't know why. Like, it didn't make sense to me. And they do it numerous times throughout the movie. And it, it's just a huge distraction. Because it's, you know, this, this very open area, obviously, on this Indian reservation where they're hunting these buffalo. You know, you have this beautiful landscape, this openness to it. And then you just, for whatever reason, you keep doing this, like, real quick editing thing for no reason whatsoever. It's very bizarre. Mm. But outside of that, everything's great. It's just that really like put the damper on things. Okay. That's the Buffalo hunt on Amazon. Uh, the only other thing that I saw was the Oscar nominated shorts animation. This is in theaters right now. I'm not sure if it's on VOD or not. I'm, I'm not quite sure about that, but the, uh, the nominated shorts this year were quite good. All of them were quite good. I didn't, I mean, I guess, there were some weaker ones, but they were all quite interesting. None of them were just straight up CG, which I thought was refreshing. There was, so there was one called, uh, daughter, which was a, I believe a Czech film, which was stop motion. But the, the interesting thing about this one was it was stop motion, but it was shot like it was an actual like live action film so there's like lots of what i guess is like a simulated sort of shaky cam like handheld shaky cam and when you the way that they employed it it made it feel like it made everything look a lot more real even though like the 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 characters the stop motion characters are they don't they're not meant to look like real people at all they almost look like dolls or something but that was quite good basically that was about um a a daughter who is her her, like her father's on his deathbed and she's sort of reminiscing about her her relationship with her father 
And by the way, all of these. So there's five that are nominated. All of them are tear jerkers. Like all of them are really heavy. Hair Love is the one from Sony Animation. Most of you probably heard of this one. It's about a father and daughter, and it, he's sort of trying to get his daughter's hair under control. Really, really heartfelt. Really, that, that one's really wonderful, too. And that one's sort of a 2D animated one that's like has some CG mixed in. Same with uh, Kit Bull. Kit Bull is the Pixar one that is uh, really wonderful. It's about a little kitten who sort of befriends uh, a pit bull who's being abused and forced into dog fighting. No. So that's that one's pretty heavy too. But that one has this really interesting look too. It's almost like got this kind of sketch look. Hard to hard to really explain that one, but that's available on Disney Plus if you have Disney Plus as well. There's one called Memorable which is from France. This one is probably the most visually arresting of of all of them. Maybe, maybe my favorite one. Uh, it's essentially about an artist who is diagnosed with a neurological disease and it kind of goes through the process of him gradually losing his perception of like reality. But the way that it's represented is really pretty, pretty wild. Um, like, because he's an he, because he's an artist, things start to sort of melt and turn into like oil paints and stuff. Very very <laughs> hard to describe, but when you see it, you're just like, wow, this is pretty incredible. Also, really sad. It's sad, but also sort of heartwarming at the same time. Where where that one goes, and the final one is called Sister. This one is told with like. It's also stop motion, but it's like the the characters sort of look like these stuffed dolls, uh, and that one's that one's pretty interesting too. That one's that one sort of takes a look at the China's one child policy. So yeah. all all five of them are really really solid this year. I'd say that memorable probably has my pick for the win, but again, I, I would recommend checking all of them out because they're all really great. Sounds real good. Oh yeah. You'll you'll love you'll probably love all of them, and I think memorable memorable yeah, probably be yeah, the yeah. highlight for you. Nice. Uh, I watched Black Orpheus from 1959 on the uh, Criterion Channel. This is you know a retelling of the Greek legend in Rio during Carnival, right? So 1959, Boston awesome music, Carnival, all the stuff that that happens in that aspect, like all, all the carnival, like them getting ready for carnival and practicing their dancing, getting their costumes, and then the actual carnival with, the, you know, the, the parade and everything. All that stuff is fantastic. The soundtrack is incredible. I mean, it just looks absolutely unbelievable. The, the, the locations, I mean, the scenery, the landscapes, it's all fantastic. Like the actual Greek retelling you know the retelling of the greek legend portion of it like it's okay it's all right it's kind of mediocre but everything that you get to see in terms of like what they put it into the, with carnival is pretty uh it's pretty fantastic and it's really enjoyable watching that portion i actually really didn't care about the whole orpheus retelling 
because you kind of get distracted by it because there's so much going on carnival you know you got all these unbelievable costumes you got dancing you got the music and it's just kind of like i'm more interested in that stuff i don't really care about the greek legends i don't, I don't need that I'm, I'm here for you know i'm here for carnival give me that mm-hmm. so it's kind of it's an important movie because 1959 you kind of i mean this movie is introduced balsanova but like the actual narrative of, of it is eh, it's okay it's fine and that's black orpheus i don't know, i can't remember did i talk about can you ever forgive me no the yeah so i finally checked this out i remember like hearing a lot of good things and just for whatever reason i just never got around to seeing it but finally checked out it was on hbo go so i was like what the hell let's give it a shot and uh, I was quite surprised. I was really taken by this movie. Uh, Melissa McCarthy's fantastic. So is Richard E. Grant. And it's just, it's a really captivating story. And it's just wonderfully told. Performances are fantastic. It's got a nice mix of, you know, drama and comedy and all those things. She has the Melissa McCarthy's character. She's this celebrity biographer. And she's kind of like falling out of favor. She's not really that popular anymore. And she's not really selling books. She doesn't really have a way to make money and she needs money desperately. So what she kind of finds out, she inadvertently finds a, a, a letter written by an author or a comedian. I can't remember who it was that kicked the whole thing off, but she found it in the archives. She kind of kept it to herself, sold it for some money and then realized like, okay, there's this whole market of, you know, memorabilia, like correspondence from famous authors. So what she ends up doing is getting a whole bunch of typewriters and getting the right kind of paper and starts fabricating these letters from famous authors to, you know, whoever they know. And she goes around and starts selling them and she starts making a decent amount of money that she can live and, you know, pay rent and all that stuff. And then of course the FBI gets involved and they come after her. So I gotta say, I wish I saw this back when it came out because this probably would have been one of my favorite movies of the year. It's pretty, it's pretty entertaining watch. Wow. Yeah. So if you haven't seen, can you ever forgive me? Yet? I definitely do it. Yeah. I, I missed it too last year. Or I don't know. Like it just didn't. And it's, it's weird because like the trailers and stuff that I saw for it compared to the actual movie that I saw, like they're it just it felt like I don't know if it was like bad advertising or just marketing was bad. So it was like if I knew that it was this, I would have totally watched it. Hmm. Based on a true story too, if I remember correctly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Uh, and that's can you ever forgive me? Check it out. All right, let's talk about some of what we got coming out in theaters this week. We got Birds of Prey. That's the biggie. I mean, what do you think about this? Any interest from from you from your end? Uh, nope. Nothing. Nothing. I don't know why. I just, I, no, no thanks. Really mild. It looks fine. It's fine. A really mild interest from me on this one. It's rated R, so that kind of makes me wonder what's going on in there. But yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I like the character. I like the casting. I think that Margot Robbie makes a good Harley Quinn, but just from the trailers that I saw, it's just like, I don't know. I don't know I, if I care. I just, I find the, I find that character slightly annoying. So I, and I think that character is okay. Like 
in little bits and pieces, but like a whole movie, like a whole runtime of mm-hmm. that. I no, no, I don't think comparing so. Margot Robbie's version to like the cartoon version. She's, she is a little bit more understated than the cartoon. So it's, it's, I think it's a, her version of it is more palpable than like the Batman animated series version. But yeah. uh, let's see. Yeah. We also have that. That's the major wide release this week. And in limited release, we have, and then we danced Kane river. That's a re-release. You got come to daddy dream round. Uh-huh. Uh, the lodge is in limited release. Pretty excited for this one. Blake wasn't too high on this when he saw it at uh, I think Cinepocalypse last year, but I'm I'm kind of kind of into it. So uh-huh. yeah, Malang is coming out. Got Pandora and the Flying Dutchman, the son of a prominent journalist. Mm-hmm. Waiting for Anya. Yep. Oh. Zock me, and it looks like that's about it for theaters VOD this week. Uh, we got Back to the Fatherland, Atomic Apocalypse, which is uh, des- described by critics as both an absolute joy and eccentric and effervescent. Okay. <laughs> uh, the electrifying film is set is set a post-apocalyptic world where a woman fights to survive and be reunited with her family. What what about that? Seem uh, like and I'm seeing like a still image from it, and there's like a burning like a burnt body that's on the ground like how's that that an absolute joy i don't know you're missing Mm. something with this also the synopsis is has some grammatical errors in it so we got the festival coming out that's a comedy from the creators of the in-betweeners never saw that show did you ever see the Uh in-betweeners nope invasion planet earth is coming out to war of the worlds meets independence day so Mm. there you go the hunt for vlad the impaler Stan the man with uh maybe maybe contender for poster of the year here. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I implore I doubt there's no one unseating. I implore you all to go to our site and go to the VOD release calendar just to see the poster for Stan the Man. The pull quote here is sometimes you just gotta bet on love. Hmm. <laughs> Unbelievable. Mm-hmm. If any of you aspiring filmmakers out there are just not sure that your movie's going to make it, just take a look at Stan the Man, and I think that'll give you all the motivation you need. Yeah. Lift your spirits. I, that, that's really mean. I shouldn't say that based on the... I haven't seen the movie. I'm just <laughs> just saying that based on the poster. Let me, let me rephrase. All you aspiring graphic designers out there who there are go. feeling like you're not going to make it, take a look at the poster for Stan the Man. How's, how's that inside game coming out? These are all on the fourth, by the way, inside game is a documentary about a basketball coach or something, something like that. Mm-hmm. On the seventh, we have come to daddy. We got a patient man. Uh, we got waiting for Anya. And looks like that's about it for VOD on Blu-ray this week. Got Dr. Sleep coming out. And this is, um, this one includes the director's cut. So there's the theatrical cut and director's cut included in that. That's sort of a rarity for major releases. So yeah. I'm really glad to see that. And I, I'm anxious to see the director's cut of this movie. I was a, really surprised at how, how much I enjoyed it. So I'll be anxious to see the director's cut. The House That Jack Built is coming out. And that's going to be a director's cut version of that as well. 
which I did not see the director's cut version of that. So I forgot about that. Maybe, yeah, actually. Yeah, that's the Lars von Trier one. It's pretty good. I yeah, that one I don't think I will go back to see the director's cut. <laughs> I don't think I'll be revisiting the director's cut for that one. Yeah. Looks like Boys in the Hood's getting a 4K release. The Nightingale from last year is coming out. That's the Jennifer Kent one. Summer of Sam is getting a new Blu-ray release. Last Christmas from last year. That's the one that uh, was surprisingly directed by Paul Feig that I, didn't, that I didn't know for a very long time. Waves from last year is coming out. Rabid, that's the Saska Sisters one. Remake of the Cronenberg film uh -huh. looks like the breakfast club is getting a steel book although that one's on criterion so i probably would skip the steel book and just get the criterion for that one let's see what else we got here white snake that's the animated uh, chinese film from last year brain damage from 1988 coming out on arrow mon mon monsters from 2017 coming out i think that's on shutter actually it's like you can give that a look now evil ed from 1995 is coming out on arrow as well High Strung Free Dance is coming out. The Hunt for Vlad the Impaler is coming out on Blu-ray as well. Uh, the Mandela Effect, that's a thriller from last year. I was wondering when they would make a movie that sort of explores the Mandela Effect. And it seems like now's the time. Unfortunately, it doesn't seem like it was uh, very good. That's yeah. uh, pretty much all I see here. What about Criterions this week? Uh, zero. Zero Criterions. All right done okay glad i could help <laughs> glad you could contribute <laughs> uh, i think that's going to do it for this week thank you so much for listening please send us your questions and topics to podcast at filmpulse.net you can follow us on twitter at filmpulse.net and at filmpulsekevin and if you have a minute please consider giving us a review on your podcast platform of choice for kevin rakestraw my name is adam patterson we'll see you next week